Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. And I'm Ray Dolan, Chairman and CEO of Cohere Technologies. Ray Dolan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks a lot. Great to be with you. It's a pleasure to have you. We've been tracking uh, Cohere for quite a while. They are a Leading Lights uh, winner, and they've been a finalist before. And uh, um, and we know we know roughly what the company does, but I want to hear what they're up to uh, lately. But before we we get into that, maybe let's start at a higher level and talk about um, the the topic of the day as five uh, G networks are rolling out, which is uh, which is open networks and why why networks should be open and 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 what benefit it brings uh, uh, the telecom industry in particular uh, the carriers and the supply chain. Um, you know, in, in, in the light reading circles, we're, um, we're, uh, hope you're sitting down. We're chronic complainers and, uh, we're always complaining about how, you know, when you open one thing, it just transfers power from one part of the ecosystem to another and so on and so forth. Um, you, you probably are a bit more optimistic about open networks than, uh, uh, than, than, than us. And I I just want to get you to weigh in on, on what, uh, on what value open networks are bringing to, let's say, the 5G ecosystem? Sure, Phil. It's a great question, and you're absolutely right. It's the topic of the day. Uh, it has been a drive for the industry for probably 20, 30 years. As far back as 2G, I've, I've actually started in the industry in 86. So I've seen 1 to 5G now, and it's um, it's been a move to open the network primarily to drive costs down where people want to create interfaces and then bid the elements independently. But recently... Uh, and I mean, recently in the last, say, two or three years, there's been a primary focus shifting to innovation. And that's super exciting because that's that's actually where Cohere shines. It's actually what the majority of what we did that was recently announced at Vodafone was about. And it was about inserting ourselves into an open architecture and putting a new process in that we call delay Doppler, or basically it's beamforming. A lot of what 5G is about is beamforming. And when we were able to do that on an open platform, we were able to double the capacity of the network. Uh, if you just get your head around the notion of doubling the capacity of spectrum, and you imagine that, you don't have to imagine, it actually happened. In the U.S., they auctioned spectrum and got $80 billion. Just double the value of an $80 billion asset, and you've really made a ding if you will, on the industry. And that's just one piece of spectrum in one geography in the United States. Okay, so so, uh, so the, the opportunity for innovation to be the result of opening is really what we're all about. Now, of course, when you open it, you'll also bid the elements. You'll get the best price on all the individual elements, but the systems integrator role will then become the dominant role. So in a way, yeah, it does, it does shift the, uh, you know, kind of the, the control of, you know, the technologies or who's getting in the door, you know, to a, to a different set of companies or different set of people. And, and, but, but like you're saying, as long as it's not done just for, for uh, purely the sake of cutting costs, then it actually has a, a point. Correct. I think if you did it for just the sake of cutting costs, you'd have a point as well, but you could almost argue that with the financial health of some of the supply chain in the industry, They've already had their costs on. I mean, we used to buy base stations for two hundred fifty thousand dollars from AT and T thirty years ago. They're going for, you know, small percentages of that right now. So the majority of the cost has been driven down. Now, what the question is is 
can you actually re-architect this to separate the data plane from the control plane? And then can you re-architect it to move the things to the cloud that should be in the cloud? And then can you control the experience from the cloud? If you can do those things, you can bring cloud players in, and you've seen a bunch of announcements with AWS entering the category, Azure, IBM Red Hat, Rakuten, mobile platform. So a lot of these cloud players are going to have tremendous influence on the way systems are integrated, not just for consumers, but probably the real prize is monetizing the enterprise. I mean, there is a ton of money in industrial automation if you can bring 5G to bear there. And in order to do that, you need a new architecture. Yeah, that's a that's a, a succinct way of putting it. Because yeah, the 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 industrial side of of, of what five G can unlock is is very tempting for the industry. There, <laughs> you know, everybody's talking pointing to that as a thing, but it's it's a it's a hard thing to put your put your finger on in terms of what's what's exactly going to change. Um, was just curious if you could um, expand a little bit more on your partnership with, I believe it's. Um, you know, you mentioned Vodafone, but also VMware and TIP. And why was it important to um, work with those organizations specifically? And, and kind of what are you looking forward to in the ORAN services that you're working on together? Yeah, so before we engaged with Vodafone, we did an important project with Deutsche Telekom with Intel and VMware. Um, it was timed for Mobile World Congress last year in 2020. It moved to Bonn because, of course, MWC was canceled. Um, and we showed what we could do in an LTE spectrum. And immediately thereafter, or close to immediately thereafter, they asked that ecosystem uh, to move to 5G to see if we could do the very same thing, and Vodafone asked us to do that in the UK. That project was underway for the better part of the last year, and it completed just recently, and that's what was announced last week. Um, there, there are many, probably three primary partners on the technology side. I would call Vodafone the customer there, just to be clear, um, and then leave the rest as, under the category of partners. So Intel was and has been a primary partner of ours providing the silicon. This all runs on an Intel CPU, which is merchant silicon. That's the, that the ultimate openness is running this on bare metal. Okay, So Intel did that. Intel's also been invested for about 10 years now in a platform that they call FlexRAN. It's designed to make the RAN software-centric and flexible and run on general-purpose computing. It is what's underneath Rakuten's deployment. It will be what's underneath Dish's deployment in the U.S. So that's now a mature product. And we ran on that. Okay, so that's primary partner number one. Then when you go what we call up the stack, just you know, from a technical term, layers two and three were a company called Altran, which is owned by Capgemini. So Capgemini was an important player to get us the control, the rest of the stack, if you will, of what a base station does today. And then VMware was our cloud partner. Now, years ago, they bought a company that uh, was evolving towards a RIC architecture. They completed that. Uh, a RIC stands for a Radio Intelligent Controller, um, and it is the primary brain, if you will, to enable ORAN to run the things that go on in the base station now will be moved to that platform. So VMware provided that platform. It is a host of applications, and we were the first two applications that ran on that platform. Okay, So we've taken what used to be embedded in base stations, and even though they actually were applications, you never looked at them that way. They were just functions. People would call them network functions. We exposed those network functions, and we wrote them as applications. In an ORAN terminology, it's called XAP. That's the architecture. And we ran them as X apps 
in the VMware RIC, and we control the end-to-end -end experience with Vodafone. So we actually demonstrated ORAN on silicon and, and, a, and a physical layer from Intel with the Altran stack owned by Capgemini, so I don't want to confuse those names, and the VMware RIC. So that was the entire ORAN mission. And the really cool part is we didn't just announce, hey, ORAN is here. They went, oh, by the way, that doubles my capacity. So they moved the debate literally in one press release from open to beat the cost down to open to innovate. Mm -hmm. And the kind of players that are involved there, you know, like you said, general purpose computing, software architecture, sounds like it's it's working in a somewhat distributed fashion also. So it's totally not, you know, Dell server. Yeah. These are going to be, this is going to take the compute industry and allow it to decide whether it wants to step in either at the server or Silicon layer or at the cloud layer, or to be honest with you, is it at this, as the systems integrator layer, companies like Dell and HP would be natural candidates to play the systems integrator role that are currently done by the Ericsson's, Nokia and Samsung's and Huawei's of the world. So I'm not suggesting that either side's going to win, but it's definitely going to open the debate as to whether the systems integration needs to be done by traditional players, or in fact, it can open to a greater audience. And it gives the operator, I guess, the flexibility to look at each scenario like that, I get, I'm, I'm assuming, and make that determination. You know, is this something that I want the manufacturer, the integrator, and the software provider to all, to all be one company? Or is this, some, is this a deployment where I want to open it up and go for you know, possibly lower cost, but maybe new applications that haven't been here before, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And then, of course, Cohere's role in all this is, like you said, d doubling the spectral uh, efficiency, I guess. Is that, is that the right way to say it? Yeah, that's the first thing we showed, uh, Phil. Mm -hmm. So, and by the way, that's not a small thing, as I told you, the economics no, a, of like, this is a trillion handsets, trillion dollars worth of handsets in the industry attached to, I'm going to guess like four or five hundred billion dollars worth of network equipment under towers or under buildings. And then it's using spectrum that in the aggregate, probably $500 billion has been paid for in auctions in various parts of the world. So, I mean, this is a multi-trillion dollar industry. And if someone can write a suite of applications and scale them in the cloud, that doubles the capacity of that asset, right? Without Even without an architectural change, that's just huge. Now, the next few steps for us with Vodafone and other operators is going to be to demonstrate that not only did we significantly improve the capacity, which will ultimately flow to economics because there's so much growth in front of this industry. It just consumes. It's like crunch all you want. will make more. You remember that ad? I mean, the industry just makes more bandwidth and users just consume it. It's, it's amazing. Um, so the consumption model will probably drive pricing down and costs will come down faster and they'll make more money. But what they really want to do is move away from a pure consumer model into more of an enterprise model. That's where the money is for the operators. The money is saying, look, I radically changed the productivity of your, of your factory. And all I want is a small piece of that. And that monetization is going to be an order of magnitude greater than consumer monetization. But frankly, all that money is going to the social media companies anyway, from a from that point of view. Yeah, yeah, so, from an applications point of view, for sure. Um, IoT, uh, autonomous yeah. driving, uh, monitoring drones, which are going to become more and more delivery system for everything that we're getting. Uh -huh. Even in a post-COVID world, we're still going to be uh -huh. getting drones flying to our front yeah. doors. Um, I would love to get a drone, a pizza delivered by drone. <laughs> yeah, well, I, we'll, we'll, we'll hook you up on that. Uh, 
uh, Kelsey, oh, as soon as we hang up. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, you need, if you need a test subject. <laughs> no, like we're pepperoni. not in that business yet, but there, there are folks working that application, and those will be, you know, when they're not over the horizon, it can be c- controlled by a radio between the drone and the controller. But once they go over the horizon, they need to be on the network, and a lot of companies are exploring that. Um, and that's just, um, these are just simple case use cases. You know, if you thought about a smartphone before LTE got uh, around, well, you were certainly better than I was, right? Because at that time, people were trying to figure out how to make ringtones work and, and uh, how to do your music on your phone was like the coolest thing in the world, right? Um, really, when Apple said, it's not a phone, it's a computer, but we'll call it a phone to make you happy. And we'll put an app on it that looks like a phone, but it's really an app. It's a computer, right? And what that did is it just opened up, oh my gosh, the App Store opened up a level of innovation and of course, Android's followed. Um, so 5G, when we in fact radically improve the capacity and we fork to the enterprise, I mean, the things we can imagine now are cool, but I'm, I'm more excited about the things that I can't imagine. Yet. Uh, what, you know, that, that's what I was going to say about the earlier, the, the thing you mentioned about network slicing really opening up things in the enterprise. I mean, is that, how, how does, I, I guess what that, in, what that suggests is that if, uh, you know, if carriers are, are slicing the 5G network and providing, you know, network slices into the enterprise, at that point, they can really do whatever, you know, they can do all the innovation that we're not really seeing from carriers today, you know, on, on that network and have, and maintain control of it themselves, you know, or maintain some degree of control. And that's, yeah, that could not just create value, but also, um, you know, first of all, maybe, maybe lock in an annuity for carriers, which is nice, (laughs) but absolutely, absolutely. Phil, and some of them are great at it and probably will be enormously successful. Frankly, even the ones that aren't will allow, they'll wholesale the capability for other innovative companies to slice parts of a network that they don't own. And they'll just end up hosting these slices and Tesla will have a slice and they'll run their cars that way. And, and, you know, I've just used Tesla as an example in the U S but there'll be, frankly, all, all automotive companies will be running smart cars in 10 years, 20 years. Um, So, and as I said, drones will run that way. Now, whether the operator does drone management or whether somebody that does, you know, FAA related, uh, or aviation-related missile guidance system steps in and, and says, I'll do that, but I need some, a slice of the Vodafone network. I don't know. Who cares as long as everybody gets paid? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is when you, when you create new value, you, know, you, you unlock a, 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 a little bit more of the economy that maybe wasn't there before. Um, I have two quick observations. The first one is um, when somebody says they're in drone management, that, w- that would be a great... Uh, a great title for somebody to just fall asleep listening to. <laughs> like, Hi, I'm you in drone management. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The next one is uh, uh, I want to see uh, photos of of the um, uh, the beta test of delivering pizzas to Kelsey via drone <laughs> because I can picture her whole lawn like filled with pizza boxes that almost got there but like dropped out at the last minute <laughs> or like hit the tree and then the pizza fell everywhere. And I just, I'm, I'm picturing something really colorful. Her whole lawn would be full with empty pizza boxes that she just ate last night. That's right. And well, then, you, no, you would see, you would see. out there with my mouth open. Yeah. You would see your dog Finley uh, just running yeah. out, itching to get outside every day, you know, and find the next drone. Well, drone, drone, 
may not deliver pizzas, they may. Um, <laughs> but you know, who saw Uber coming? I mean, you're welcome right. to say you yeah. did. I didn't, right? I mean, I knew there were yeah. taxis before, but who knew that you didn't need taxis anymore? Everything was going to be distributed. The shared economy is amazing. Um, so the, the, here's what wireless needs to do. They need to keep growing the spectral efficiency because there's an insatiable match between people's desire to communicate and move. Okay, that's just period, full stop. And then once we create that massive network, we need to make it architecturally capable of tapping into it for the parts that people need, right? Um, like, for example, when Uber needed to render a map to you and then they needed to send you a text that said your driver is coming, they had to tap into the signaling network. So, you know, um, companies that were able to do that basically took an existing network and just put taps in so that you didn't have to be a network provider. You just needed to be able to tap in and send somebody a message. And so that's where all of these platforms have started to federate. Um, that's what 5G is going to be able to do if we can get this uh, to fork into the enterprise. Do you um, see any other um, kind of geopolitical implications of opening the networks um, and in any other ways that um, are, are you excited about how uh, service providers and vendors might work together differently in the future? Yeah. Uh, yes. Just to make sure I'm answering your question, Kelsey. First of all, I do. And it's the, the angle here, and I'm in the U.S., is there's been a raging debate about uh, China, cybersecurity, and what I'll call the apparent dominance of Chinese players in 5G supply chain. Okay, and I say apparent because it's not clear that either side has a head start, but certainly when you look at the go the folks that I grew up with, you know, the Nortels that are gone and the Ericsson's and Nokia's and Siemens that are all combined into players that are trying to figure out how to survive and thrive. Um, Huawei still is the lead dog there, right? And the, the 5G standard is heavily influenced by China. So the Western world in general, uh, along with a number of partners around the world, has tried to find a response to that. And one of the best ways you respond when you want to restore leadership is just change the rules, right? So open the architecture, allow for the emergence of a new set of players. And I got to tell you, if new merchant silicon players are allowed to come in, the Western world is filled with them. You look at between Intel, Qualcomm, NVIDIA, yeah. ARM, yeah. you know, and there's more, okay, Marvell. If you look at cloud players, uh, of course, they're all around the world, but you've got AWS, you've got Azure, you've got um, Rakuten, you've got IBM Red Hat, Google, you can keep going, right? So if we can move this to a cloud play, a silicon play, an open play, there's a huge opportunity to reset 5G and all Gs beyond that to be uh, a Western-led Western innovation. And I can tell you firsthand that the U.S. government's excited about what we're doing as a component of enabling companies like Intel and others uh, and VMware and others. Um, it's not lost on them that these are large U.S. companies that are leading next-gen ORAN architectures at higher capacity, lower cost, which generally wins even without geopolitics, right? So now it's going to be harder for what I'll call the U.S. the industrial policy of China to finance a product that doesn't work as well and costs more. Yeah. I hope I haven't no, gotten too geopolitical, but it's an absolute mm -hmm. hot button issue right now yeah. right. in the world as we debate this. But I would say 
it needs to move beyond tariffs and blocking, and it needs to move to the merits of the innovation that are driven by Western leaders, not just the desire not to buy a Chinese product. Yeah, I think I think you articulated that part well because I I think that's where that's where we see it as problematic. Is it's like there's not really there, there's <laughs> there's not really a, a, a even even the hint of an open playing field when, when you're just simply shutting, shutting companies out of industries and stuff like that, you know, especially when, you know, they're, they're bringing lower cost, higher capacity and so on to the table. And you're shutting that out in, in time to make up for, you know, I guess maybe a technology lag or something like that. Well, I'd say it's, it's a little, I don't mean to interrupt you, Phil, but it's not, I don't think it's just, there may be a technology lag. I don't want to get defensive about it. But at the same time, there's also unquestionably a, an industrial policy that says own this for geopolitical purposes going forward. Right. It's a strategic yeah. issue and it needs to be responded to on a strategic level. Right. Or we're going to regret that 10 years from now. And if it's responded to simply by blocking and tariffs, you're absolutely right. Consumers don't benefit because they end up being they, they, they've got to buy products from a operator that doesn't have access to the lowest cost alternative. OK, but. And so tariffs served its purpose, but it also like when you, for example, recently they blocked in China from Sweden. And as a result, China threatened to, you know, eliminate Ericsson's access to China. And so you can see that any response is going to get a tit for tat response. Right. So if, for example, and hypothetically, they blocked China from Germany, China might block German cars from China. And so who wins there? No one does. Right. It is an indication, though, as to how big the stakes are, but it's probably an indication that the right answer is not tit-for-tat tariffs and blocking. The right answer is hustle, innovate, work hard, get up the next day and do the same thing. Excellent. And that's what we're excited about because we are an enabler of opening, innovating, and commercializing and driving better user experience. So I appreciate the opportunity to get the word out to your listeners and Hopefully they enjoyed hearing us talk. Yeah, we, we definitely enjoyed having you on. Uh, thanks so much for uh, for being on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Phil. Thank you, Kelsey. Yeah. It's nice to meet you both. You too. Thank you.